We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. During this election season, NPR Illinois, the public radio station in Springfield, is partnering with stations across the state and AARP on a series of forums examining fiscal solutions to the prominent issues in the upcoming Illinois elections and exploring why people are leaving Illinois. The forum in the Metro East area was held August 16th at the Post Commons in Alton. NPR Illinois News Director Sean Crawford moderated a panel, including Sarah McGibney, the Executive Director of Alton Main Street and Board Member of Senior Services Plus. Susie Harris is the East Alton Regional Director of Caritas Family Solutions, and Nathan Grimm is Managing Editor of the Alton Telegraph. Crawford began by asking the panel to talk about the problems they see in the area because of the fiscal problems in Illinois. I would say the biggest and most obvious would be the impact on our social services. I'm involved in a number of charities around town, and there is not one that has not been very hard hit by the cuts, by the late payments. You know, it's the most vulnerable of our population that is being the most negatively impacted by, by the crisis that we're in currently. Anybody else want to weigh in? I would agree with that as well. Unfortunately, a lot of social service agencies that were in the area providing services are no longer with us because they couldn't survive the budget crisis. You know, another one, obviously, that relies a lot on funding from the state that we pay a lot of attention to is, is you know, school districts losing funding, having to borrow money to, to just get by without some deep, serious cuts. And eventually, you know, those cuts are going to have to come. And so, you know, if things don't get better. It seems like Alton is one of those communities has a lot going for it, especially compared to many other communities that are, that are struggling. But, of course, there's problems. Are you hearing from people who want to leave this area, maybe move to Missouri just across the river, stay close to home, but you don't want to put up with some of the problems they're seeing in Illinois? I personally do have family members that have fled. A lot of them kind of wait for retirement, and then once they are finished working, they choose to retire in another state that is not facing these same problems, yes. I think that Alton's unique in that it has sort of bucked the trend and survived and done well in spite of the circumstances, but other surrounding areas such as Granite City, East Alton, some of the other outer reaches of Madison County and other areas have not done as well. And unfortunately, we're seeing a severe deficit in services available to those folks and resultantly more pressure on the social service agencies that survive. One positive on that front is, you know, I know that the city of Alton has been recognized by AARP for their efforts. And and I actually have sat in on some meetings with AARP discussing how to get Alton into that age-friendly status. And so, you know, there are steps being taken to cater to people and to try and get them to be able to stay here even as they, you know, age into their golden years. Susie, you mentioned that Alton may have bucked the trend compared to some other area communities. What are some of the reasons why you feel like it may have been able to do that? I think Alton has made a real concentrated effort to capitalize on the things that they do have available to them. And they might have some more natural resources that other places might not. And they're right on the river. We have very scenic 
areas in the Alton area. We also have a lot of historical buildings, a lot of nice architecture, and businesses that are really close-knit. This is a long-term close-knit community, and I think other local areas are not as able to survive the ups and downs of the loss of income. To that point, I would just like to point out that the state of Illinois has not been supportive in the least to help us as we are trying to make the most of what we have. For example, the Illinois Historic Preservation Agency has been decimated. The state program of the Main Street program that ARTS is affiliated with was zeroed out of the budget completely. And what's so ironic is that the national Main Street Center for the entire country is headquartered in Chicago. So we are literally the home of the program, yet we do not have a state coordinating agency. And it really is the grassroots level, people who are banding together and trying to do more with less and trying to come up with more private sources of funds and things like that, that is why the Main Street program exists still to this day at all. When I first signed on 11 years ago, there was 60 some odd designated Main Street communities in Illinois, and now we're down to 20 or so. And one of the things Main Street tries to do, maybe you could expand on this, but you want to attract business, especially smaller businesses, into those historic downtown areas. Exactly. Just to give the, in a nutshell, version of what Main Street is, in the 70s and 80s, there was a mass exodus to the shopping malls and the suburbs and the strip malls and things like that. And the historic part of the community where all the shopping district used to be just fell into complete disrepair. All of our beautiful old buildings started to decay. And so the Main Street program is basically just, they call it the four-point approach. So it's special events, design, which means aesthetics, economic development, and then, you know, the organization, you know, uh, human resources and financial resources to power all of that. And um, it really takes your community's love of their historic downtown and through volunteer effort really tries to infuse all that energy back and rebuild your downtown. And as you had mentioned, you know, that really is the reason why tourism flourishes here in Alton is because of what has been preserved from our past. Of course, you're dealing with small businesses. Susie, I think I read where you have a small business background. Yes. I mean, I guess I want to find out from you folks, is Illinois friendly to business? Because we hear from a lot of people that it's not. I no longer am in that field right now, but I was in the construction business for 26 years. And during that time, it became increasingly difficult as a small contractor to operate the regulation in the state of Illinois is very difficult to navigate. A lot of the processes that are required to follow the law are not very well mandated and they're not funded to the point where they provide the staff support that's required to get anything done. If you apply for a license for anything in the state of Illinois, the last understanding I had, it was like there were two or three people that were handling all of it. And I've known several people who've discussed they wait months for their professional licenses, which that is a great loss of income to those folks and an inability for someone to provide the services and the income to their families. Similar with the nonprofit world, I've had a couple of friends who in recent years have started nonprofits and it takes over a year to get your, your actual approval back and that creates jobs, that does good in the community, that helps to you know shore up some of these deficiencies that are happening with the, the social services that have been cut and to have the backlog of all paperwork and everything moving so slowly in the state, I mean, that, that really puts a damper on everything. 
what's the local business economy here like? And Nathan, maybe you could weigh in on this because you cover this type of thing. Is it, and I'm not just talking small businesses, but overall, what's the, what's the situation? Yeah, Alton's very interesting in that there are almost two business districts in Alton are two, two different, very distinct. You have the downtown, which, you know, Sarah's um, concentrated on and working at small businesses that's getting people down there and, and spending time down there. But then you've got Homer Adams, which is just this built up industrial, you know, the targets and the, and the things like that. And so um, as they're, they're talking about, you know, the small businesses really made a um, a comeback with the help of, of things like Main Street and the small business revolution and things like that. Um, and so you've got two very different, but you know, th- uh, two things that do seem to be both um, thriving might not be the right word, but definitely I think on the upswing. Um, and so Alton is sort of unique in that aspect. Well, you know, when I mentioned earlier uh, at the start of this, we discussed the possibility of or a population loss, which is taking place and how much is taking place here. When you look at the state of Illinois, Illinois lost more people last year than any other state, not on a per capita level, but just on an overall level. And that may help with things like traffic flow, maybe a fewer less people to deal with. But other than that, it's not a good situation because you have fewer people to pay taxes, fewer people to fund some of the things we talked about. So these issues are real for the state of Illinois, and I think that's what these forums are about, to try to discuss it. If you... I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but if anybody wants to weigh in on this, if you could change something from your point of view that the state could do better, what would it be? Would it be something like we've talked about now? Would there be something else the state could be doing that would help areas like Alton and others? Something just that immediately came to mind is um, historic preservation tax credits. It's really hard to compete when you're right across the river from St. Louis, Missouri, when some, a developer can choose to be at, on one side of the river or the other and be able to take advantage of those tax credits or not. What would you do? Mm-hmm. You know? Sure. Anybody else got any ideas or concerns or questions? I think that given the fact that Illinois has a, a really rich history the idea that every single thing that you try to do as a business in this state is much more complicated. We have, one of the things that I've noticed in my work is that Illinois has all these different circuits in their court system. And every one of those circuits operates under their own set of rules. There's some overarching rules, but the bottom line is you have to understand how to operate in each county differently. And that is systemically what's wrong with Illinois because we have no unity of, of any sort. And unfortunately, that translates to a lot of chaos and a lot of fragmentation. And instead of having streamlined processes, we have fragmented processes and silos. And if we could find a way to break those silos down and work in a more cooperative manner, I think that would be a long way towards fixing some of the problems that we have. And some of the things you talked about, Missouri doesn't have those problems? Or we, I mean, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. It's unique to Illinois in my, in my understanding, that especially the court system. And that's something that I can speak to. And also the professional, like the Department of Professional Regulation, that in and of itself is a challenge here. When you're talking about small businesses like Sarah's talking about, all these things, you have to create an environment that's friendly to business and other entities that want to come here. And if you know that it's going to be difficult 
if you understand the bogged down system, you're not going to want to come here. Let me uh, call on our audience. Uh, we've got a question here from Bill Pyatt. And Bill, would you mind stepping back to the back of the room there to the microphone? Uh, just I'll wait for you to make your way. Bill is from Bethalto, and he has a question tonight. And uh, if our panel and myself hopefully can weigh in on this and, uh, and help him get an answer to it. And uh, go ahead, Bill, when you get a chance. Thank you. I'm a pastor of a local church, and so I understand funding doesn't always work out. And so there are choices to make. The question is, what's the first choice? Do you decrease the uh, claims on a budget, or do you increase the funding for the budget? And that's an issue that local businesses also have to face. Do you reduce your overhead, or do you increase your sales? And it sounds like Illinois has been treading water the last 10 years trying to figure out what direction to move. Lower your budget, increase your funding. So you're basically saying raising revenue for the state of Illinois? Raising, is our most important task to raise more revenue, mm -hmm. or do we take money uh, claims out of the budget so that our existing revenue is sufficient? <clears throat> That's my question. Well, I think any time you're trying to run a business or an the state is a business. Mm -hmm. You have to consider both. It's not an either or proposition. And so given that, I would say, uh, again, a little bit of both or a lot. I think one of the things to look at with the state of Illinois is uh, during the budget impasse, which you remember lasted for a couple of years. What was interesting about that, I think, one of the, things that, one of the questions that was answered on that was, if there is no budget in place, can the state still spend money? Well, of course they did. They continued to spend due to court orders, and they spent and spent and spent, and they were spending at a higher level than the revenue that was coming in because they were spending like they had a, a previous income tax increase still in place and it wasn't there. So in some ways, yes, you're right, it is a business, but in some ways it's not a business because a business could close up shop. A business could say, we're not going to fund these social services and things. The state really can't do that, and, and courts have basically said that. So the state's hands are a little bit tied, I think, when it comes to trying to balance a budget and a, a trying to cut. There's really only a few areas that can be cut. Uh, one of the areas, uh, if anybody wants to weigh in on here, that they have cut has been uh, the money that was going to local governments. Local governments have seen less money coming through. Some of the tax money that, has been, that had been a pass-through from the state of Illinois to the locals has since been held back. So... You know, I know in some communities, things like sidewalk repairs have been put on hold or other things that are needed. And so it does have an impact when the state starts holding that money back. Anybody want to weigh in on that? Yeah, I um, have a relationship with Joe Silkwood, who's the mayor of East Dalton. Um, and so I, I, we talk a lot um, just through my coverage of the village. And, you know, he talks about that funding drying up and, and what they have to do basically when, when things are taken away from them is they do have to find it, whereas the state necessarily doesn't have to make those hard decisions or has chosen not to to this point. The buck stops with small villages, and so they have to eliminate positions through attrition. They have to make hard decisions, seek out grants and things. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, whereas the state can kind of pass that on to the villages, it, it stops with those small municipalities. And schools have the same issue. It's, um, schools are forced to do certain things, so whether the money comes or not, they still have these requirements on them, and that's one of the reasons you see maybe teachers are cut in some cases or other activities are having to be cut 
because they still have to fulfill certain duties. Go ahead. Right, but it's nonsensical, some of the decisions they make. I mean, seniors, for example, you know, it, it is much more expensive to have a senior in an institution than it is to uh, give them the support they need to stay at home. So really, Illinois is shooting themselves in the foot financially by not funding social services such as Meals on Wheels and things like that. I mean, we had to go from a hot meal every single day down to one delivery with one hot meal and three frozen meals. I mean, not only does that eliminate the human contact that these homebound seniors need every day for their mental health, obviously the nutritional quality goes down, and you know that just leads to a spiral of someone not being able to live on their own in their own home like they want to anymore, which costs the state additional money. It just does not make any fiscal sense. And it's difficult when we talk about losing population too. Uh, you know, a lot of folks as they age, we. Our, our kids move out of state, our family starts to move away from us. You want to be where you can be with those people, but you also maybe want to stay independent, stay in your own home, and those options become less and less because of what's going on with the state. Let me uh, call on someone else here, and we'll continue the conversation. We have Candace Larson. She is from Alton. She has a question as well, and uh, another one aimed at the politicians in Springfield. My comment was, I think it all stems from career politicians. They're more interested in keeping their jobs and their power intact rather than solving problems. And, you know, if, if there was things like such as term limits where you have maybe three terms or four terms at most to get things done, that maybe they'll get things done. And what is the chance of that? Can, is there any way there could be a grassroots effort or some sort to, to do that. Because I think that's where it stems from. You know, the Democrats and the Republicans want to keep their power and they, and, and they got, you know, it's just a big fight all the time. Well, that may be true for some people, but I would also say that there's probably some folks that do a really good job that we would want to keep and wouldn't want to lose. But again, it comes down to more, in my opinion, personal responsibility because we each have a choice to vote. And the more that we use our voices to vote and make choices that are good for our community and not just for ourselves, the better chances we have of a better outcome. Susie makes a good point. If they're not good, we want them on term limits. If not, keep them. So let me go ahead then. Yeah, I, I kind of go back and forth on the term limit issue. I know it's becoming a louder discussion, but you know, I, I think that the reason that people talk about term limits is because folks like you know representatives who are elected for two years, they, they get elected and then they're they're back to campaigning so quickly that there is no time to actually make some decisions that maybe aren't about them and their reelection. And so I think it is, you know, a lot of these these problems I think that we're talking about are because there are legislators who are concerned about how making maybe a decision they think is correct will impact their ability to get reelected instead of, you know, instead of trying to get us out of this spot that we're in. Absolutely. Um, personally, I think as a general rule, term limits are, are a good idea. Not nearly as important as getting money out of politics altogether because that breeds a lot of the problems that we're experiencing right now. Personally, if anyone who knows me knows that I'm absolutely not a politician, but I'm so fed up with how the situation is in Illinois that I actually ran for office in March. So uh, there are a lot of uh, progressive-minded people that, that feel the same way, that there is a solution here, and the quagmire is, is a lot of it is rooted in 
a lot of the career politicians that dig their heels in too deep and, and will not compromise. I'm going to go on to our next question because it sort of plays off of this one. Mary Birdsell from Wood River, if she can uh, make her way to the microphone, because I think this, this uh, is on the same plane, this discussion that uh, we've been having. Go ahead, Mary. That's exactly what I was thinking when the previous speaker spoke. I thought that's a part of the problem. I'm concerned about the issue of gerrymandering. Until we can draw legislative districts with logic and not politics, we are going to keep sending the same people back and back and back. And we get the career politicians. And we've all complained for 10, 15 years now that they're not doing anything. Well, then we ought to change them. But as long as they're so entrenched in their little district, nothing's going to change. And there have been efforts uh, being made at different points to do something about uh, um, the legislative map drawing, redistricting, as it's called, happens after every census in the state of Illinois. But uh, Illinois does have a strange system. It's sort of a winner-take-all type system. I won't go into all the detail, but in the end of the day, one party is in charge of drawing the maps. And so you will have districts that are very Republican or very Democrat in any map because that's just the way the population shakes out. But if the Democrats are drawing the map, as they have been doing, you're going to have more districts that favor Democrats. And, uh, and they will do it in a way that you know, keeps that majority going. I also think it has something to do with what we just talked about when it comes to term limits. There are people out there who can run pretty much unopposed for many years because the legislative district is drawn in a way nobody from the other party will ever be able to have a chance to defeat them. And, um, you know, the public could always rise up and do something about that, but it's awfully hard to make that happen. Anybody want to weigh in on, on legislative remap? If not, that's okay. Go ahead. Well, it seems like uh, Sarah touched on a really important part, and we don't talk about it much, but the money that's involved controls so much of what happens as far as the districting um, and whether someone remains in office and whether they remain challenged or not, because to run a campaign is exceedingly expensive, and the average person is let out of that, and someone who chooses to go against that can put themselves in a real bad position by doing so. And so, right on. what, uh, can you tell what office you did run for? Or what position? The absolute lowest rung of the Democratic Party, precinct committee precinct woman. Committee. <laughs> and even that takes time and effort. Yes, it does. And uh, I was going to ask, because we were, there was a little bit of bashing of politicians by people, maybe rightly so at times, but you certainly are all in touch with your local the lawmakers and uh, congressmen and others, do you find overall that they're pretty attentive to the needs of the area? Will they listen to you? Or are you able to, you know, to get their ear and we don't have to call them out per se? But I mean, is it overall, do they pay attention to what's going on here? I would say they listen, whether or not they take the advice and actually utilize that when they cast their vote is a different story. I know that she didn't have a whole lot of time to do to do much, but um, you know, Monica Bristow was was recently uh, chosen to replace Bill Hain, or I'm sorry, um, Dan Beiser, and I know that in speaking with local mayors, they've been pleased with how much she's communicated with them. Not to again, you know, like I said, not to throw Dan under the bus, but that they've just seen a noticeable difference in in her sort of interest in what's going on locally. And so, um, I can't speak to many other politicians. I do know though that um, that some of the local mayors are pleased with how Monica's done in her first, you know, nine months on the job or whatever. 
you've had the similar situation? It seems that Sarah touched on a point, of, and so did um, my cohort here, that when someone is continuously running, there's always going to be that pressure to be more focused on answering the largest voice versus listening to what makes sense. And I think that's kind of what's, what happens overall in all of that because it's very difficult, and I'm sure it's difficult for them to quantify it, but over time, basically, it seems like when you walk away from talking to any of them, and I've been to Lobby Day and many other things, it's very difficult for them to walk away and, and take that opinion with them at the end of the day. They're going to make the choice that's best. Yeah, and they're hearing a lot of different viewpoints, too. Right. Sometimes the one after the other. I would say don't, don't uh, take that as a message to not get involved or not reach out to your lawmakers or other elected officials. I think you'd be surprised how much they do pay attention, especially if they start hearing the same message over and over. They do pay attention to that. Again, it does go back to they want to be reelected. So if they're hearing a groundswell of support for something in their area, they do, uh, they do take notice of that. Just once again, for those of you just tuning in, we are here in Alton. It's another one of our election 2018 Seeking Solution forums. And I'm Sean Crawford, the host. And on our panel tonight, we have Sarah McGibney. She is the executive director of Alton Main Street. We have Susie Harris, East Alton Regional Director of Caritas Family Solutions. And we have Nathan Graham, managing editor of the Alton Telegraph newspaper. And we're also hearing some questions from the audience. I'm going to go to another one right now. If uh, Elliot, uh, is it Joyce Elliot? Joyce Elliot, I'm sorry. Joyce, if you could step up. Joyce is a native from Alton. She points that out, and she has a question for us as well. Well, I'm a native of Alton, but I'm also a former precinct committeeman, and um, the position I hold now is the South Area Coordinator for Church Women United, and we are addressing issues dealing with poverty and hunger in the state of Illinois. In my research, I have found um, Alton to have been listed as number 10, as the 10th city that's most impoverished in the state of Illinois. This has raised my curiosity to great standards of expectation and also implementation. My question is, I'm looking at the audience here tonight. Um, yes, we're all seniors that are here, but how can we as uh, citizens, voting citizens of the state of Illinois help to eliminate some of the things that are happening within our government, such as nepotism, the, the buddy system. These are things that are going on that are really crucial to what is happening in our government. People hiring people because they're simply family members or what have you. And I will never forget uh, when our governor, not this one, but the priest, uh, hired his wife at a... Um, a salary that was really not even needed for that family. We, stop, we need to stop putting millionaires in the seat. It's the poor people or the middle class people who need to speak up and take action to help eliminate some of this. But I really want to know how we can come together. Um, Susie talked about the lack of unity, and there is a lack of unity in our community. We must come together and we must start now. It takes a, uh, a village to raise a child, but it takes a small group of people 
to let their voices to be heard and be persistent in their action in order to promote the change that is needed in our government today. Thank you. Nathan, I'm going to throw this to you because I have to say, when I come to Alton, it seems like a nice community, a pretty middle-class community, possibly. Is there a problem with poverty in this town? Yeah, it was, it was uh, like I described earlier with the business districts, there, there are two very sort of different sides of Alton. There's this, this old Alton, these, these big, beautiful homes that, that we're proud of and that people come through to see. But then there's a lot of um, pockets, might not even be a big enough word, of, of severe poverty and, and things that are, um, you know, run down and, and in disrepair. And so, um, you know, to, to answer her question, I, I, I don't have a good answer for how we fix it necessarily. Um, things like this, you know, help to, to, to get people on the same page and to, to send a message. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know necessarily know how to answer the question of how do we, how do we fix that or how do we get people to, uh, to, to band together to, to make a positive change. And Susie? Well, um, in one of my previous um, positions, I was, I dealt with a lot of um, HUD work. When I was a contractor, we did a lot of um, HUD rehabs, which were funded by the county. So folks that were having difficulty being able to repair their house would receive grants to um, repair major things like roofs, sewer lines, electrical, things that are basic infrastructure things to a home. And those grants have pretty much gone away. There's not a lot of money available. And that's, uh, I would think, I don't know exactly, but I would say it's a result of the budget issues. The most important thing I would say is to speak up and use your voice. I mean, locally, if even a dozen or so people call a city council member, that is at the top of their priority list because they understand that that's a a groundswell of support. The staffers in the state uh, level of government are always happy to take notes on what your concerns are and pass them along. The first few times you might feel nervous about that and sometimes it's kind of hard to call in, especially if you have a, a major complaint, but that is what they're there for. They're public servants and they are there to hear your opinions and then take their your opinions and use that to um, educate their vote rather than just vote on their own subjective feelings on a topic. If there's one thing I could say is contact your elected officials Often, as often as makes sense for things that come across your radar that, that concern you because they want to hear from you. Well, let's uh, turn back to business for a little bit since uh, all of you are sort of watching that. And I look at the town of like Alton. It's an older community, and I know we've been to a lot of older communities doing this tour around the state. And at one point, many of them had major manufacturing. And I don't know about Alton's situation currently, but we're talking about people quite often with high school diplomas, maybe less, but still earning a decent you know, salary, working hard, able to support a family. And those jobs are just going away. Those, those are not there anymore. That is leaving a large chunk of the population without a way to support themselves. You could always say, well, they should go to college. They should do this. Well, that's expensive. Not everybody is able to do that. Are we seeing that here? Are we seeing the loss of manufacturing, the loss of those types of jobs, or has Alton been able to hang in there? Oh, it's gone. It's gone. Manufacturing okay. has died in Alton, absolutely. That is why there has been so much effort put into 
reimagining what Alton can be in the future. Uh, we have completely, more or less, you know, turned our back on the, the riverfront, which where, that was where all the manufacturing took place. I mean, thankfully, we've had some big success stories like Alton Steel reopening and things like that. But by and large, you know, the glass works, the box board, every, every just the jobs exactly like you were talking about that the, the generation before me enjoyed are all completely gone. So now we are trying to infuse that much energy into supporting entrepreneurship, supporting small business owners. Uh, really, that is the economic driver of our community at this point. Well, and that, that leads to the question of what happens to all those people who are not going to college. That's who makes up the working poor that you're talking about, the poverty issues. And what are their opportunities and what are we going to do to ensure that they have an opportunity to, to make a living wage and provide for their families so they aren't in this pocket of poverty forever because everybody that's not employed is not someone who's paying taxes. And thankfully, our area is blessed with um, Lewis and Clark Community College, who is really making a concerted effort to bring back the trades and things like that. So um, th that cannot be understated, you know, how, or overstated, you know, how important that is to our area to have that affordable education um, and, and definitely getting trained in the trades is very important in this day and age. And there seems to have been a shift away from the idea that everybody has to go to a four-year college somewhere and have a degree that you can go and get a certificate, you can work in the trades in some way, and, and, and that there's need for that, and some people are more cut out for that. So that's, that's exactly what they're working on. Let me, let me ask, too, because we just had a, an election in, a, in Missouri for something that some people say is what's needed to bring business to places like Illinois, right to work. That was voted down there. Um, any thoughts as far as like what, what that might have meant for places like Alton, close to Missouri, if, if that would have gone through? Would that have had an impact here? Do you think that would have played a role in any way? Any idea on that? Don't want to stump you, I guess, on that, but... Madison County has been historically a union area because of the large manufacturing that was historically here. And there is still, um, it's somewhat of a bastion of union um, involvement. I, I don't know how much of an effect it would have because other than people might come over here to seek work. It would have, though. I mean, if it, if it allowed more companies to open up and they had more jobs suddenly to open up, if, if that worked out the way some people say it would, it might have had an impact of people saying, I've got to go where the job is. So I guess that's a possibility. We do have another question. Uh, we have Paul Mueller. He's from Redbud. If Paul can step to the base, we're already in the back. So go ahead, Paul. Thank you. Um, I fully understand the image of a uh, college student asking about legalizing marijuana, but, um, <laughs> I wasn't anyway, going to say anything, but go ahead. As you were, um, discussing earlier with people moving out of the state and losing tax revenue, um, I was wondering if you could comment on if legalizing mar recreational marijuana could act as sort of a crutch, a clutch, um, crutch, excuse me, until, and raise tax revenue until we can find more long-term solutions um, for something that's honestly being done anyway. 
I don't know if anybody else wants to win. If you do, feel free. I'll um, just say decriminalization of marijuana and taxation is a no-brainer. And we are actually seeing a lot of local communities take that step, that decriminalization step, where they, they just decided to their police, we've got more important things to do. We have opioid issues. We have meth, which is big in you know, many parts of the state. We have these issues to deal with. We won't deal with these low-level marijuana offenses. At the state level, what I can tell you is there are, there are proposals out there, and I don't think anybody wanted to push anything this year in an election year. I would not be shocked to see some heavy push for it next year, and if not then, the year after, and I think it's headed toward that. We were just talking on, this, uh, on the talk show that we do every week um, a couple of weeks ago. The governor signed legislation that allows kids now uh, who qualify for medical marijuana to be administered this at school by their parent or guardian. Uh, it's especially for kids with epilepsy, things like that. That passed overwhelmingly. There was no real discussion about this whatsoever. This five or ten years ago would have been a huge battle. Nobody even thinks about it. It's, it's long since passed. So the old idea of taxing it, legalizing it, taxing it, as some other states have done, I think it's headed that direction. I don't think it's the cure-all for the state budget that people think. I mean, some of the studies I've seen of, you know, give or take somewhere around half a million, half a billion, I'm sorry, dollars a year. That's, that's a lot of money. That's big money coming in the state, but that does not solve the state's problem. So it's one step toward that. But uh, that is one of the things that I think we could see happening sometime, at least getting a lot of attention in the next couple of years. So anybody else uh, have any thoughts on that? Or are we seeing any type of movement on that locally? I don't know if Alton has decriminalized it or not, or if you guys know that. No, but. I just noticed in the uh, gubernatorial debates, mm -hmm. every single one of the Democratic candidates was in favor of it. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> And we've had the medical marijuana program for you know, several years now, and you know they seem to be able to work through that and still uh, expanding that as it goes. Um, one of the things that could come up with people leaving the state of Illinois is the loss of representation in Congress. That may not seem like a huge issue to Chicago or, you know, the metropolitan area there. But when you get into downstate Illinois, especially southern Illinois, which has really taken the brunt of loss of seats in Congress through the years. And I, go, I can remember back, it's not been that long ago, when we had, I think, 26 members of Congress. Well, we very well could lose one or two more seats during this next census. That's very possible. For your groups, so for what you see here, I mean, the congressmen are really the conduit to the federal government. If they have, more, and I think we just touched, touched on this, that sometimes they have a lot of people in their ear telling them a lot of different things. The more area that they have to cover, the more people they hear from, the harder it is to get to them. I, I think that's a, a, a pretty bad proposition looking forward to this possibility of loss of, of representation. Absolutely, and especially uh, something that's getting a lot of attention in the circle I run with anyways, that Congressman Mike Bost completely did away with town hall meetings. He does tele-town halls, which is, you know, over the phone and things like that, but that's not sufficient. And that's tough, too, because, you know, someone like Mike Bost, who's from uh, an area that's heavier into farming than maybe the Riverbend is, you know, he hears a lot of that and a lot of the concerns of farmers. Well, farmers have different concerns than a lot of small business folks in Alton. And so if he's only getting here by phone or he's only getting here once a year, um, he's not really hearing and, and representing all of the people that he you know, was elected to represent. So we just had uh, the congressman show up with the president a few weeks ago in Granite City. Tariffs were imposed on steel and 
the uh, Grant, Granite City Steel plant, they're saying that you know that's one of the reasons that they made a decision to fire back up, creating some jobs. Doesn't sound like that's a bad thing for the area. I mean, you know, actually, what they said is that, that the tariffs were the icing on the cake, sure. which means the one cake the was already baked. <laughs> Those jobs were already coming back, regardless yeah. of the tariffs. So is it safe to say, though, that's been a positive move here overall? I mean, I'm sure some people are skeptical of it, but at the same time, overall, getting people back to work either way, that's had to be a positive thing. People are probably pretty fired up about that. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, you're, you're always sort of most interested in, in what affects you. And so the you being kind of our area, you know, putting 300 workers back to work at Granite City Steel was a great thing for our area. You look out further and you see the way the tariffs are affecting us as, as a country. Um, you know, it gets, it's a lot less sort of exciting. But sure, I mean, for Granite City and for the surrounding area, that's, it's been a great thing. I would agree with that. I think it's really great that this happened. But as Sarah said, um, there was already some belief that that was already going to happen. And the long-term results of something like a tariff has has to be weighed against the short-term feel-good. At the same time, some of the things we just talked about, loss of this major manufacturing, a lot of that has been due to jobs moving elsewhere and into other countries especially. So, you know, are they wrong to say, whether it's the president or anybody else saying, are we wrong to say that we need a better deal than we've got? I mean, it's not fair. It's not a level playing field. There's nothing wrong with um, standing up for yourself as a country or an entity or an economy. But again, I don't think the choices that are made are always necessarily made for the reasons that they're represented to be. And again, we do have a little bit of time left. If anybody else has a question, just submit it in the back there. We'd be glad to give you a chance to raise a question or comment. We'd like to hear from you. Hold your card up if you'd like to do that. Somebody will come around and get it. So we talked a little bit about the fact that the state of Illinois has been losing population. In areas like Alton, can somebody give me a historical view of what the population might have been, you know, 20, 30 or so years ago compared to today? Has it been pretty steady? During it's that time, on a steady decline. It has been a decline. Yes. Any idea, kind of, just a rough idea of how much, really? It is was it about 40,000 when I was in my teens, which has been a while ago. Okay. So, so <laughs> and and now, now it's 27,000. It's 27 now. That's a pretty good, that's what, 25? Well, I won't do math. I said I wouldn't do math. So going back, quite a bit of population. Is that just from people moving around the area, do you think, or is that actual loss of people just leaving completely? It has spread here locally quite a bit, just as surrounding towns and suburbs and things like that. It's, it's not as drastic as it sounds, I don't think. Um, but yeah, it has been on the steady decline. But I'm just going to go ahead and make a prediction. I, would, I cannot wait to see the next census numbers because I have a very strong suspicion that finally Alton is going to uh, be on the upswing of upswing. population. And why do you think that? Have you seen just more construction or what, what, what causes you to think that? More people are moving here from St. Louis. If you look at the uh, property values here versus what you can get across the river, it is a significant difference. You know, it is a, a crackerjack box over in St. Louis. You can get a beautiful Victorian home on the side of the river. So uh, a lot of people have been moving, especially into the uh, historic neighborhoods and things like that from St. Louis. Are you both seeing the same thing? Actually, um, I know that there's a lot of people moving here from other places. Um, a lot of people have 
because of the small business revolution, a lot of the attention that Alton's gotten recently, they have gone online and looked at the homes. And I personally know, because of people that I know who do construction, that um, they're talking about how people are moving here and most of their clients now in the historical renovation are people from other places like Chicago, California, New York, Connecticut, who've gone online and saw that they could purchase a home that has um, historic and architectural beauty for a price that they can't imagine. And definitely being listed as one of the top 10 communities uh, in the AARP magazine where you can uh, live for under $40,000 a year, I've heard from City Hall and the Tourism Bureau and everyone saying the, their phones are ringing off the hook from people around the country taking a look at a hard look at Alton. So seniors or soon-to-be seniors certainly see this as a possibility of a good place to be. Are you seeing the same thing, Nathan? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, like like Sarah and Susie. I haven't seen any real numbers to, to back it up, but anecdotally and just from what you kind of see, um, it does seem like, you know, the things are, are trending in the right direction. And so... We're seeing, we think we're seeing some influx of people here from Missouri, yet we're hearing in many other parts of the state, we're not necessarily seeing that we're seeing this decline. So is it just an outlier? Is it, is it because of the construction you're saying, the, or the uh, historical buildings that play a big part of that? What are some of the other reasons that makes this such a good place to live? Well, honestly, it, the historic district is definitely a, a player not only because of the people who want to you know, live in an urban area again and have a walkable community again, but when larger employers are looking for where to expand or relocate, they look for those quality of life type of uh, amenities for their, their uh, employees. So something like that, while it might not seem as important when you're talking about big business, it absolutely is crucial when they're trying to decide where to you know, place their new factory and things like that. I also, and, and maybe, I'm too close to it or we're all too close to it. But, you know, it, Alton is very much a community unlike anything um, that I've ever seen. And I'm, I'm not that old, so that's not really a, a fair. But, um, but, you know, something like this small business revolution where Alton is, is picked, you know, to, to be um, even just in this competition. Uh, and then the community rallies around it to the extent that they first make the top 10, then make the top five. And then eventually win the thing because it's it's everybody you, you know you drive down the street and you see a, a my Alton sign in a in a business window. Everybody's voting. You know the social media um, outpour. It's um it's just very much a a community that that has a pride about it. It's a community that rallies around each other, and and that's you know that's something that that then people want to be a part of. Yeah, it was exactly the self-esteem boost that we needed. I mean, there has been a, a vocal minority of eternal optimists like myself who have always said how great Alton is and, you know, we just need everybody else to recognize it. The negative Nancys are getting quieter and quieter and quieter all the time because this boost of self-esteem that we got through the small business revolution has just been infectious. Well, let me ask, though, moving from another state to Illinois, one of the things we hear about all the time is Illinois' property taxes. So even with the property taxes, you're saying it's a better deal to live like you're in Alton than maybe it would be in St. Louis from a, from a cost perspective. I mean, I haven't studied it per se, but I mean, honestly, I think it, just in my subjective opinion, I, I think that the property taxes here are still relatively low compared to, you know, across the country. Well, when you think about the idea of... Um AARP giving this designation about being able to live in this area for that amount of money, um, 
you have to think about what are the benefits of being um, in that tax bracket and you're purchasing a home from somewhere else that's far cheaper than you can buy in any other market in the country and have something that you really can appreciate and it's a growing growing community that has all the amenities you want so there's a cost to anything um, Missouri has personal property tax um, there are other things that happen uh, that cause you to have a higher cost of living the property tax is just the thing that you um, view as that's the big bill that you get hit with mm -hmm. but there are other costs that are involved and have to be considered let me uh, before we run out of time tonight rich Olemeyer. Rich, could you step back there and go to the microphone? And I think uh, another bill that Rich wants to weigh in on here, and this is an issue that will be coming up and has already come up in the governor's race this year. You may hear more about it, so go right ahead. There's, there's two questions I submitted, so which one are you looking at? Right well, go now? ahead and ask, uh, ask whichever one you want to first, and we'll go from there. Well, there's, there's two different separate issues. One is you were talking about pockets of poverty because as was pointed out, the, you know, the glass factory and the box board and Olin have all disappeared. A lot of people don't have a lot of money and they don't spend money if they don't have any. So as a result, Alton Square Mall has lost Macy's, they've lost Sears, and a lot of the other little stores that were in there are gone. Place looks like a ghost town now because people aren't spending money because they don't have it. So that's an indication right there of the impact that some of these programs have on Alton locally. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's an indication that, that some people aren't doing so well and they're all going out to Walmart instead of shopping at Macy's. So that's one thing. The second issue that I brought up is about the budget. And for a while we had a temporary increase in income taxes that helped a little bit, I think. Um, my point of view is that income tax is a progressive tax and therefore people ought to use income tax. Illinois has one of the simplest tax forms to fill out relative to some of the other states and particularly a lot, lot simpler than Missouri. So we, I don't know what our tax is, about 3% or something like that. It's closer to 5 now. Okay, it's it's well, 5%. But anyway, Missouri, uh, uh, I mean, sorry, Illinois has a relatively low income tax. And as a, as a retired person, I love the fact that retirement income is not taxed. However, to just across the board say, okay, we're not going to tax retirement income, period. Maybe there should be a means test there so that the people who really are struggling don't have to pay that tax, but people who are relatively well off could afford to contribute more. And maybe we could, you know, raise the income tax a little bit. I would like to see property taxes go down and make up the difference by raising the income tax. And there'll probably, probably be some differences of opinion on that, I'm well, sure. Well, okay, room, sure, sure. But the, the, the thing is that almost all the taxes, including sales tax, you know, if you go to the store, your, your, food, your food tax, sales tax in Illinois is, is pretty reasonable. It's pretty low. But then for everything else that you buy at the store, it's up around 7% or so. And so, uh, you know, it, it seems to me that, that income tax is progressive and, and we ought to look at raising revenue for the state through income tax and lowering some of those other taxes that we're stuck with. 
Okay. Rich, thanks for your questions and uh, comments there. And we've got a couple of minutes left here if anybody wants to weigh in on that. I will say that one of the candidates for governor, J.B. Pritzker, is talking about the possibility of what is called the graduated income tax, which would be based on certain income levels you pay more. So um, some studies of that that we've seen say the majority of people would either pay nothing more or less, so it would really sock it to people at a bit of a higher income level. Um, Governor Rauner, I know, is not in favor of that. He's in favor of what we have now, the flat tax, as it's called. Um, anybody want to weigh in on that, on just what that could mean, any type of change to that for the state of Illinois, good, bad, or otherwise? I personally, I just think it only makes sense to uh, tax those with abundant means more. And I think culturally, the, the shifting consciousness is just uh, leaning more toward that direction. That trickle down obviously does not work, has not worked, and is never going to work. And everyone needs to just uh, you know, put, put more pressure on the people who have plenty of money to pay their fair share. Well, let me ask you on the other question you had about retirement income. If the state did something like, and I would think that's a selling point to get retirees to move to Illinois, is the fact that you know they're exempt from some of this. If you did some type of means test or something that taxed more of that retirement income, would that hurt towns like Alton that are trying to build themselves as a place for retirees to come and live? That seems to me like that could could damage that type of uh, campaign. Well, when you're talking about what the the new designation is, it's under forty thousand dollars. So. I don't think those folks are probably going to be too affected by that outcome. And Nathan, do you hear, I mean, we've certainly in Springfield and some other places, do you hear from folks here a lot about the income tax, especially when it went up here in this area? Were you hearing a lot of people upset about that, or did they think the time is right to do that, or did, did it get much attention at all? There, there wasn't a whole lot of discussion that we heard. Um, that doesn't mean it didn't take place, but it wasn't something necessarily that people were writing into, you know, letters to the editor, things that, that uh, other things that people write in about or, or, or reach out to us about. But, um, you know, just to kind of bring it all the way back around, you know, I think that, that that's fine to, to increase, to look at ways to increase the state's revenue. But at the same time, I think that there are hard decisions that aren't being made about some cuts in some places that, that we do need to scale back in as well. And so um, I'm not... You know, I'm not in favor of just continuing to seek ways to increase revenue for the state without making some tough decisions as well. Okay. That's going to probably be where we have to leave it tonight. We're about out of time. So, again, I want to thank our panel. We had tonight with us the executive director of Alton Main Street, Sarah McGibney. Also, Susie Harris, East Alton Regional Director of Caritas Family Solutions. And Nathan Grimm, who is the managing editor of the Alton Telegraph newspaper. Uh, give a hand to all of them for coming out tonight. And thanks to all of you for coming out this evening, for those who have been listening on air. And again, this has been another one of our NPR Illinois forums for election 2018, Seeking Solutions. We're traveling around the state, addressing different topics. Our next stop is August 23rd in Rockford. And if you can't attend that, we hope you can at least tune in. I'm Sean Crawford for NPR Illinois and St. Louis Public Radio. Support for the series provided by AARP. Have a good night.